Welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting-edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Today I had the pleasure of talking with Gloria Cicchini, a Perth naturopath. We talk behaviour and learning difficulties in children, which is Gloria's specialty. We, are, we talk what are the aspects that play a part with learning and behavioural difficulties in children and what the most important things that we need to be looking at and needing to be addressed. We look at what are the first steps that need to be done and the stepped approach to addressing these issues. We also talk about the importance of chemical and preservative free food, heavy metals and other chemicals in the environment. We also step through what you can do at home to get started and those areas that you need to be looking at where we need to be building on. So Gloria is a qualified naturopath and life coach who has worked in varied roles within the natural medicine industry for the past 23 years. Currently, Gloria is based in Perth, where she runs a naturopathic consultancy specializing in herbal and nutritional interventions as well as dietary modification to improve learning and behavior in children with behavioral disorders. Coaching their burnt out parents um, also to make their life less stressful and restore their energy, as well as facilitating wellness in many clients with a range of different health conditions. When not consulting, Gloria is a senior lecturer at Endeavour College of Natural Medicine at Perth campus, where she pursues another passion, teaching and inspiring the up and coming movers and shakers in the natural medicine field. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, Gloria. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Um, all right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, behaviour and learning in children specifically. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. wanted to get started and just ask you a bit about you and give me a bit of your background and what you're up to at the moment, what you're doing, how's your clinic. I know there's so many things that you're up to at the moment, so let's run through them. So <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, okay. So, well, I've been um, in the naturopathic and natural health industry for, gosh, I don't even remember how long, a really, really long time now. Um, and, you know, as a, as a child, I didn't have the healthiest diet and got exposed to lots of pesticides and chemicals, you know, um, with uh, my dad being a farmer. Um, and that affected my health. So I was always looking for solutions in my own health and became really, really interested in natural medicine. Um, didn't realise that you could make a career out of it, but um, was really interested in vitamins, interested in supplements, interested in herbs. Started doing all these like little correspondence courses when I was a teenager on herbal medicine and natural medicine, not realising there were institutions that could have uh, I, you know, could have not wasted all that time and gotten qualified a little bit quicker. And I think the penny dropped um, when I started working in a pharmacy alongside um, some naturopaths and realised, oh, my God, that's exactly what I want to do with my life. That's, you know, it was just that aha moment that we have. And I guess, you know, a little bit of divine intervention, perhaps getting, um, you know, that sort of job and the universe steering me on the path that I needed to be on and, managed to find lots and lots of um, solutions to my own health with uh, natural medicine and it continues to pay dividends even to now. So 
as far as you know what I've done in the industry I've um, worked obviously in pharmacy I studied I've helped a, um, a, I was the assistant to a, a functional medicine doctor where I was explaining all of his protocols to his clients and diets and testing and all that sort of thing uh, so that was a you know big um, you know mind opener to see how I guess the conventional medicine and the um, natural medicine worlds merge which is amazing um, and you know always knew that I wanted to someday teach because uh, I like to talk <laughs> and um, <laughs> finally got a um, position at Endeavour which is, how we, which is how we met and now I do quite a bit of work um, at Endeavour as a senior lecturer on the Perth campus um, and also have my own clinic um, running, you know, just a couple of days a week. And I mostly specialise in paediatric health. But as a consequence of that, end up seeing the stressed out mums quite a bit as well. <laughs> so got to be a bit of a jack of all trade. But I would say um, about half of my client base is kids with, you know, learning behavioural disorders. Amazing. Wow, that's mm. so cool. So I guess we'll just dive in then and give me a little mm. bit of... Um, like aside to the lead up to what comes into the, the behaviour and learning aspects in children and what, what really impacts that and that what you've seen in clinic. Um, and so just talk me around the background that you've seen. Okay, well, I think that it really begins way back um, with, you know, mum's health and even grandmother's health, like we were briefly chatting about before we started our mm. time together today. And there's been a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's research out there that shows that things like exposure to pesticides can affect um, a child's behaviour and development. Um, heavy metals can affect that. So there's been some you know, studies that have been done looking at kids with ADHD and they've found that they've got high levels of lead, high levels of mercury, you know, lower levels of nutritional factors, which these heavy metals compete with. Um, they've got more of a hypersensitivity uh, base reaction to, you know, things like artificial additives. And I think that a lot of this stems from maybe mum's health um, and even dad's health. And there's certainly genetic, um, you know, things to play, but part, there's a genetic part to the whole picture with um, learning behaviour as well. Uh, but if we could um, just get mum to, you know, do a really amazing detox prior to, you know, you know, falling pregnant and dad as well, I think that we'd probably be able to, over time, see a bit of a shift in the amount of children that are diagnosed with uh, learning and behavioural disorders. Because mm -hmm. I do see, you know, high levels of um, toxicity in these kids. Okay. Yeah, so I think it all stems from there, to be honest. Yeah. And, so <laughs> and then our environment parts. as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We've got so many. So what, well, that's all right. So what, what are the sort of main um, behavioural issues as such that you see come through that have been diagnosed through your clinic? Uh, probably number one would be ADHD. So yeah. lots of kids are being diagnosed with, you know, ADHD, or the inattentive type or the hyperactive type. You know, sometimes yeah. we're seeing kids that have got, you know, lots of impulse control issues and oppositional defiance disorder. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's the main one. Um, that I'm seeing in um, clinically. Obviously, we've got, you know, autism spectrum disorder that's 
acne being more diagnosed and mm-hmm. um, seems to be increasing in prevalence as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of a whole different kettle of fish to, you know, just the run-of-the-mill behaviour and learning stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. So in a way, you mentioned these um, heavy metals and the nutritional components. So what's the best way at looking um, at, at how to get what is in that child um, and mm. what has contributed to those behaviour and learning conditions? Um, so how do you mm. test for that? So I do test for um, heavy metals just using the the good old hair tissue mineral analysis. I think Mm -hmm. that with kids, it's a little bit tricky to get a needle in their arm and look at, um, you know, look at their blood and Mm -hmm. look at, you know, acute exposure stuff. And the good thing about hair tissue mineral analysis, it does give us that snapshot of the the body burden at the time that that hair was growing. So it gives us information or data over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty of that is that we can also um, look at different imbalances in, you know, things like copper and zinc, which can be playing a role there. We can look at the overall absorption pattern that the child's displaying. We can see if the child's in like a sympathetic dominant state as well and you know, maybe struggling with anxiety uh, because they've got elevations or depletions of certain minerals. So um, it's a very useful test. And when we're looking at, you know, conditions that um, maybe have a little bit of a um, violent aspect to them. Um, not that we, you know, really going to be treating those solo by any chance, uh, means, by any means, but um, you know, we can look at, you know, things like lithium levels and how well they can be balancing their behaviour, um, you know, from those nutritional, uh, from that nutritional perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can also even give you an idea of what their antioxidant um, status is like and um, are they under a lot of burden uh, with their glutathione and we can look at you know how how that's um you know impacting um being impacted you know in their nutritional mineral status so it's certainly not a perfect test uh but it's um definitely an easy one to administer for the age group that comes through usually so that's probably the main uh test that i do for you know toxicity because some of the other testing um you know, types of things like phthalates and plastics and it tends to become a little bit more costly. Um, So people are a little bit more hesitant to do that type of testing. So usually if you can see on a hair tissue mineral analysis that their sulfur is really high or really low, you can see that there is a burden on the glutathione pathway um, and that there's something there. Um, Even if it's not a heavy metal, there's something there and you can really kind of you, you get pretty good at reading these things after a number of years um, yeah. <laughs> and you can see those <laughs> patterns arising. So Amazing, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the main one I use. It's just easy and inexpensive and gives lots and lots of valuable information about all sorts of things in the human body. Okay, fantastic. So um, on to now when you've seen something that's out um, in terms of diet or supplements, is there anything specific that you normally go towards? I know it's very different individually for each child, um, but are there yeah. sort of trends of what you use yeah. or go towards? Yeah, look, I think that the very first thing that I would recommend for pretty much all children that are experiencing uh, behavioural learning um, concerns is that we get them onto a completely additive-free diet mm-hmm. because, as I mentioned a little bit earlier on, the kid, these kids, they, they're toxic um, and they, or not, you know, a lot of them have got toxicities. 
and um, the pathway that these, you know, preservatives and um, flavours and colours are detoxed in the liver um, become, um, you know, clogged for lack of a better you know, way of explaining it with mm-hmm. the sort of the toxicities that their little bodies are, are um, dealing with and they can no longer um, tolerate things like benzoate preservatives and colours and flavours. So, and, and their, their detoxification um, enzymes are immature until they're about seven anyway, so they tend to be a lot more reactive until about then anyway. Mm-hmm. But when we see, you know, say toluene is high, because what does mum do? You know, pregnant mum, she nests, she makes this beautiful um, nursery and <laughs> they paint and they put the baby on these brand new mattresses, which are full of brominated fire retardants. And then that little immature body has to deal with all these environmental chemicals. And then when they start to eat food that have maybe, you know, small amounts of preservatives and flavors and colors, then they have kind of like a hypersensitivity reaction because their liver's not really dealing with with those things because it's so it's so multitasking and prioritizing due to homeostatic mechanisms to get rid of those toxic substances rather than, you know, a food-based chemical. And that you can even see when they start reacting to amines and salicylates and glutamates and all the natural food chemicals, it can just be that overburden detox process that these kids have got um, with liver detoxification. And if we can just, you know, gently support that and it takes quite some time, you can find that um, they become more tolerant to different, you know, natural foods. Uh, so I really like to remove, I guess, you know, as us as naturopaths, we like to remove those obstacles to cure, we mm. call them. So I uh, really like to get them onto, you know, a number-free diet, get all the colours, additives and uh, preservatives and flavours out of their diet. Um, and you'll probably find that they come down a couple of levels just by doing that. Mm. Uh, and then we do some testing at that point just to look for specific, you know, burdens in the body mm-hmm. and imbalances in the body. Um, and, you know, that gives mum about a month to evaluate how well the child's going just on a number-free diet. So really my first uh, strategy is not even about, um, you know, putting them on this beautiful, you know, healthy eating plan. It's just about let's get your diet fairly similar but without all the numbers in it and that kind of gets once you get kids that are about nine years old they're really pretty you know they're they're pretty vocal about (laughs) not wanting to change their diet (laughs) so um (laughs) you can gain some trust by going no it's fine you can still have you know crisps and you can still have all these things let's just swap brands for now shall we and you know you build that rapport over time (laughs) um yeah and it's hard it's overwhelming we um live in a world of everything has numbers in it you know Mm. food wise and convenience food is full of preservatives and um yeah so even just doing that can be quite challenging for parents yeah so they can devote 100 percent of their time to just that for a month they're Mm. doing really really well and i would say that in all my years of seeing kids that have behavioural concerns, um, there's only been one or two that hasn't improved with taking the numbers out. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, that's really impressive. Yeah. .com.au website. It's, you know, an amazing resource with heaps of parents, um, you know, anecdotes on there, listed on there and success stories, the sorts of things that, um, you know, the, that resolve. And it can be things like bedwetting. It can be, um, you know, asthma. It can be all sorts of um, health conditions that have been linked to, um, you know, artificial additives. Mm. And it's certainly not just a naturopathic thing or a nutritional medicine um, approach. You know, the Children's Hospital in Melbourne have an inpatient, um, you know, ward where they have kids come to their inpatient facility and they detox the kids off of all these food-based chemicals because they recognise that they certainly do play a role in a lot of kids' health problems. Mm. Um, yeah, and Europe now uh, require all foods that contain these additives to have a warning on them that says this may affect your child's behaviour or, you know, the additives in this food, um, you know, has, has been linked to hyperactivity. Um, you know, we know that a lot of these things have been banned in infant foods. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's not a uh, fringe thing. It's, no. it's a well-known, uh, you know, lots, many paediatricians are now on board with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's certainly the, it's one of those things that if we don't take those aspects out of the diet, unfortunately, um, you know, you have limited success with supplements or other strategies that you're wanting to employ. So it's a really important first step. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. So, and then following on from that, after you've taken out all those additives and the nasties and the numbers in the mm. diet and you've tested something like the heavy metals, what, what, are you, what are you then looking at? Is there an active process of trying to remove these heavy metals out of the, the child or is this something that you think naturally would happen? No, there is a bit. Of, there is an active process, and you know, he, certain heavy metals are dealt with. Um, mainly, heavy metals will go down that glutathione pathway, so mm-hmm. we can look to support the glutathione pathway. But you, that's only going to be dealing with um, heavy metals that are out of hiding because they do like to hide in you know fatty tissue such as the brain and uh, the nervous system. So we do have to give the body time to release those um, chemicals. So it's certainly not a quick process. Um, it's something that happens over, you know, sometimes years, depending on how, you know, how toxic the um, levels are in that child's body. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I think what the key thing to be focusing on um, is to reduce other types of exposures so that the liver can prioritise removing those chemicals um, when, it's, when they're available. So it's things like, you know, not using, you know, fragrances in your home. So don't, you, you know, ditch your old perfumed laundry powder, you know, and fabric softener and replace it with essential oils. Don't use air fresheners in your home. You know, use microfiber cloths to clean instead of, you know, the good old spray and wipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to even look at, you know, the environmental working group list and, you know, have a 
have have a um, make an educated decision around you know possibly limiting your pesticide exposure as well because we're putting less new chemicals into our bodies then of course we're going to be able to release the stored stuff because your liver can prioritize that yeah. if that makes sense so yeah. i think that if we can reduce our exposures and this tends to be the tricky stuff so you know it involves putting a good quality water filter on your drinking water and you know to changing your diet and eating more organic and not using conventional cleaning products or shampoos or those sorts of um, substances that contain um, you know things like phthalate in them which has definitely been studied to increase the risk of a child having a neurodevelopmental disorder. So, um, you know, certainly the science out there to back these types of recommendations, there's science that show that um, pesticides can be implicated, you know, insecticides as well as the heavy metals and um, all these sort of envi environmental toxicants like, you know, plastics and perfumes and phthalates and things like that. Mm, and even uh, glyphosate and uh, products that we can't really help the spraying off, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, um, mm. All right. So anything. So we've got now, um, you know, components of reduction of chemicals, um, and we've looked at the diet as a part of the additives. Um, now, what would be the next step? Would there be um, then further things that parents are then looking at doing for the child to in further improve those learning and behaviours? Yes, yeah, so I think the, the, real, the next really important um, step is to address any sleep problems that the child might be having. Mm. So that could be a sleep study that could be looking at, you know, are there tonsils and adenoids and sleep apnea stuff going on? So if there are inflamed tonsils and adenoids, then, you know, do we need to look at food-based, um, you know, triggers for that. So, you know, do we have an issue with gluten? Do we have an issue with dairy? Do we have an issue with something else? And doing some testing around all those, um, those possi possible food intolerance um, factors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is the child spending way too much time on a device, particularly, you know, after the sun goes down? Do they have, uh, are they feeling safe or are they feeling anxious in their bedrooms? So looking at all that sleep hygiene stuff mm. is really, really important because sleep issues are actually twice as likely to occur in children with ADHD mm. and um, sleep mimics, sleep deprivation mimics ADHD. So, you know, there's been kids that, you know, we take the, take the you know the junk out of their diet and we optimize their sleep and lo and behold we're suddenly learning a lot better <laughs> so um i think that it's just those basic stuff that basic stuff but it's it's the tricky stuff right so it's hard mm. to give up get kids to give up their devices and Absolutely. you know stop that blue light exposure and you know it might be as easy as putting window locks on the on the kids' windows so that they don't feel um, anxious or doing some meditation with your child at night and bringing the cortisol levels down. So yeah. I think that, um, you know, we take, take the chemicals out, we optimise sleep, you know, remove any sort of, um, you know, natural food intolerances. So things like gluten and dairy are the big ones. There's been studies that have been done on kids with undiagnosed celiac disease mm -hmm. that have ADHD. Um, and once it's once it's identified, they go on a gluten.
gluten-free diet and suddenly no ADHD anymore, but it was actually a behavior reaction to, a, you know, celiac disease and gluten, <laughs> um, gluten intolerance. And then that so, inflammation, um, crazy. Absolutely. Gut inflamed, brain inflamed, and neuroinflammation mm. is certainly something that we need to be trying to minimize. And that's, that's, ha- that's kind of the mechanism of action of reducing those toxicants um, yeah. from their, their lives um, is to just reduce their overall inflammatory burden and free up their detox pathways. Yeah, absolutely. And it really takes a lot from parents to clue into this and then actually dedicate time. It can be so tricky um, as, as timing is. Yeah, yeah. It's hard stuff to do. So all the really important, you know, parts of the puzzle, uh, it's tricky. It's not, it's not as easy. And I wish it was as easy as just <laughs> taking a herb or taking a supplement or taking fish oil. Um, and you know that suddenly your child's um, you know just neurotypical. Unfortunately, it's you know a reactive child. There's some genetics at play. There's normally you know multiple facets and levels that need to be addressed, and it costs a lot of money to put a good water filter on your on your house. And um, it's you know we get quite um, I guess addicted to things like our laundry smelling a certain way um yeah so (laughs) yeah so it's um it's interesting (laughs) yeah absolutely now before i move on to any other specifics and um you know the the last sort of resources and recommendations you have males and females in terms of boys and girls is there a difference in either treatment or any behavior i know with as such with boys um i know there is a difference in the way they learn um and actually having Mm. them properly diagnosed in the beginning whether it's not just them needing to have more activity as such or in the different time of the day for learning is there anything you've noticed with the boys and the girls any trends well i see a lot more boys Um, So boys are certainly being um, diagnosed a lot more. Okay. Um, And I do think that it is the fact that, you know, boys and girls do learn a little bit differently and our current schooling system doesn't really cater to the way that boys learn, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You know, they're much more active. Their brains, you know, develop at a different rate. Um, You know, it's it's interesting. There was, uh, I listened to and uh, subscribed to Dr. Um, Daniel Amen, who's a psychiatrist that works in this area. And Mm. he he talks about how that when a lot of boys with ADHD get that testosterone spurred at the beginning of um, puberty, it really affects their brain development and they catch up. Um, mm. because of that hormonal influence and a lot of them grow out of um, their, you know, ADHD, mm. you know, if that's possible, you know, and that has to, all those, uh, all that underlying stuff would need to be in place, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's certainly a hormonal aspect um, to just the, you know, way that boys and girls develop. Um, yeah. So boys do take a little bit longer <clears throat> mm. in that brain development um, side of things. Yeah, super interesting. But as far as do I treat them? Do I treat them differently? Well, I treat probably treat most of my ki- my you know pigs um, a little bit differently depending on what's going on for of them. Um, but you know, I don't. Yeah, it's really about how they're expressing uh, the the condition for them. So yeah. uh, interestingly, uh, I feel like girls kind of tend to be a little bit more comfort seeking. 
mm-hmm. uh, so they can display um, problematic behaviours that they they turn to um, to get comfort out of, whereas mm. boys, I guess, they might become a little bit more hyperactive or disengage a bit easier. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's, it's, a, it's a tricky one, but I'd say that there's, it's 90 to 90% boys, 10% girls, maybe mm. even more boys, to be honest, that I'm saying. I don't see a lot of girls getting diagnosed. Wow, that's as fascinating mm. in itself, isn't it? All right, so um, it really is. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of um, anything else that you would recommend, or even um, you know, if a, if a parent suspects their child has behavioural learning issues, what would be um, you know those next steps? Um, obviously, seek out a naturopath, mm-hmm. but anything that mm-hmm. they should be looking for in specific um, order uh, if they suspect something. Yes. Yeah, so obviously all the things that we've spoken about so far, I would do those things first. I think that um, what's really, really important is that we support neurotransmitter production in the brain as well. So getting, you know, adequate levels of protein in that child's diet is super, super important. Because, mm-hmm. As we know, they all, all the, um, our protein breaks down into amino acids, which are the building blocks for our neurotransmitters. And these kids do tend to have um, either low dopamine or dopamine's not getting to the right part of the brain to help them focus. So if we can mm. give them more protein, that can really help them focus. And, you know, also the effects that protein and um, has just to balancing on balancing the blood sugar. You know, if we're having, you know, a cereal breakfast that's full of sugar um, and no fat and protein there, then, you know, we're not going to be able to, we're going to have blood sugar dips, um, which are going to create inattentiveness because they, you know, I'm sure we're all familiar with how it feels to be hangry. Mm. So you, know, you can imagine how that's going to express in a child. So uh, if we can get adequate amounts of proteins, that might mean, you know, just swapping um, breakfast cereal to more of a protein-based choice, whether that's depending, you know, on your food-based choices, but, you know, obviously eggs are a good choice or um, maybe a plant-based protein powder along um shake alongside or smoothie alongside their normal breakfast is always mm. a good idea so i do like you know those sort of hemp and pea blend proteins can be quite mm-hmm. good and they all taste really good now and really yeah. easy to source <laughs> yeah uh, and then if you can do that and if you can give them like a smoothie with some protein powder and you can pop a rainbow of um, fruit and vegetables in there um, you're really, really winning <laughs> as far as you know, nourishing and um, your child. So if we can get um, more phytonutrients in there alongside that protein, that's going to help us you know, support those detoxification processes, reduce overall inflammatory burden as well. So I think that that's really um, important. Yeah. Um, so, and after we've, you know, you've sort of done the diet stuff and, and looked for food allergies and limited your exposures. If you're still struggling, then that's probably when you really need to, you know, come and get some testing done. So we can test yeah. you for the genes associated with celiac disease and gluten intolerance if you're a bit reluctant to just eliminate that for six months and see how you go. Mm-hmm. We can look at, you know, what the digestive functions like. So what's the microbiome like? Because there certainly has been links with microbiome health and behavioural disorders. So kids that have behavioural disorders are much more likely to have inflammatory bacteria in their gut. 
Um, you know, we can look for those heavy metals and we can look at nutritional profile to see where the, you know, excesses and burdens are on different biochemical pathways. Uh, we can even, um, you know, as naturopaths, we can even look for, you know, those common nutritional deficiencies that have been seen to be more common in kids that have um, learning and behaviour behavioural disorders. So kids um, with learning behaviour have iron deficiency, they have zinc deficiency, they have iodine deficiency, they have magnesium deficiencies. So we can be looking for those sorts of things. So uh, I do love to use uh, just a broad spectrum multivitamin and mineral complex with mm -hmm. um, most of the kids that come through the door because there's some good evidence that suggests that, you know, a lot of these kids improve just by giving, being given a vitamin and mineral complex. It helps, you know, tick a box if we've got a fussy eater um, in the room. Um, it can help, you know, provide all of those catalysts for the biochemical pathways and detoxification pathways, neurotransmitter synthesis, all that sort of, uh, all those processes can be supported just with a really good quality um, multivitamin. Mm. But you have to be quite careful uh, because a lot of the retail products have those artificial additives and um, flavours and preservatives in them. I've actually seen supplements on the um, retail market that have sodium benzoate in it, which is wow. one of the worst yeah. ones to give kids <laughs> that have <laughs> behavioural disorders that can send them off. Um, like a volcano so um, it's probably a very very wise decision to have a conversation with a practitioner before you start giving your child any supplements because we really I, I'm sure you're just like I am Jodie we really vet uh, the products that we give to absolutely. our patients yeah yeah absolutely. and we, we do all that hard work so um, if we can look at reversing some nutritional deficiencies and they can access their dopamine better, they can pay attention. You know, iron deficiency, you need iron to, to make dopamine and we need iron to oxygenate the brain. Mm. Uh, so if we have low iron, we have tiny little blood cells which are poorly oxygenating the brain and that leads to a, you know, fatigue which looks like inattentive ADHD. So, um, yeah, we can can really work nutritionally and effectively and you know, even iron deficiency has been linked to um, lower IQ in children as well. Amazing. Yes, all super, super important. And it's so multifaceted, as with any issue with the human body, um, that it does Absolutely. help to have someone also sort of guide the way and, and lead next steps because it can get quite confusing and overwhelming with the information out there as well, isn't it? Very much so. And, if it, and it really is a step-by-step -step approach because we really need to get those conditions for health, you know, nicely established mm. so that we don't have, you know, those um, triggering factors present, that we don't have nutritional deficiencies. So that's where, you know, people like you and I, we've studied for, you know, I, I've been in, in tertiary education um, as a student for over 12 years and I'm sure you're similar Jodie, so it certainly takes, takes a lot. It's not something that you can do um, by reading Dr. Google, sadly. So, um, no. you know, we really do, we're, we're really important part, we're a really important part of that, that healing journey. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So next steps and where to find you. So any lasting like points that you'd want to make in terms of the behaviour and learning of children, as well as where to find you um, and where people could yeah, look you up. 
so my um you can i guess you can just google my name and my website pops up and yeah. i'm on all the social platforms as well so i'm on facebook and instagram as we all are in this, yeah. uh, these and we'll, ages. we'll link to it too obviously in the notes oh, all your stuff you. yeah yeah, wonderful um and but yeah my website's naturopathiclifecoach.com um you know there's many many different strategies that you can take but really from from that point once you've done the diet and lifestyle stuff it's really about i guess getting highly individualized care many many herbs that you can take um that are going to help to improve attention and learning there's a whole aspect or the pandora's box of mitochondrial support that we could mm. discuss which plays a huge role here but to get that mitochondria up and running then you know it's all about removing those obstacles and then supporting the mitochondria so absolutely I and even hydration and light even absolutely. can play a huge part as we've discussed a little bit already yeah, absolutely. And, and meditation, you know, so mm. there's lots of really good um, meditation apps and schools are pretty, getting more progressive now, you know, having yoga in schools and meditation. There were studies that were done on teenage boys that had, um, I think it was a weekly massage. They, mm. they were able to pay attention in school a lot more. So um, there's lots of um, modalities that could be could play a really you know good role, a, a, an important role in your child's healing. Mm. And, you know, even looking at um, chiropractic and osteopaths for some of the more structural yeah. um, imbalances as well. Yeah, absolutely. And even just breathing, I think um, mm. even that's something mm. that's just uh, kids don't even tend to be focused on. You now we all breathe, but giving them more attentiveness or even mindfulness surrounding breathing, then that can also help, mm. I've found, which is the meditation, yeah, and, uh, isn't it? Uh, that's a really good point because, you know, then, then there's that whole aspect of, you know, are they mouth breathing as well? Mm. So, yes. you know, but then that kind of will tie that back into the sleep stuff. So, <laughs> um, you know, if your, child's, if your child's mouth breathing at night, then, you know, that might be, a, a, you know, an avenue to be looking down, um, you know, optimizing sleep hygiene and um you know, food, food intolerances as well yeah absolutely so so much but i think that's a really good start and at least people have a little bit of an understanding now surrounding the the causation and then some steps towards behavior and learning so thank you so much gloria for your time today pleasure i really appreciate yep, my it pleasure. <laughs> um and i'll yeah, it was fun. And we'll link towards all that um, in the notes so everyone can find you and um, also on social media as well. So until next time, I will speak to you soon. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.